This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. excited about what God is doing and about what God's intent is. I'll tell you, God's up to something big. Amen. We got a big God and He does big things for those who will dare to believe. Amen. He does all the heavy lifting. All we got to do is trust and believe. Amen. But God's up to something good. Amen. And you know, the series that God put on my heart for this month is the Roaring Twenties. Now, we all know about a century ago, you know, there was a, that decade of the Twenties, you know, was called the Roaring Twenties. You know, they were coming out of war, out of pandemic and all of that stuff. God just spoke to my heart that this is going to be another Roaring Twenties, but it's a different kind of Roaring Twenties that's going to be happening. That while the world is like, uh, you know, we're going to be so relieved that we're out of this pandemic and we're not shut up in the house and they're going to be doing their thing and partying and all that. I want to tell you something. God's got something in store for the world that is better. Amen. And it starts in the church and it starts with you and I. And so here's the thing. We talked about the roar last week. You know, we've got to be in tune with God to hear the roar. It's interesting, you know, uh, in the upper room, uh, you know, it was, of course, it was Pentecost, you know, the day of Pentecost, and there were thousands and thousands uh, uh, of uh, Jews and God-fearers, proselytes that had come to Jerusalem, and they were coming to, to present themselves at the temple and present their offerings, and, you know, and all that was going on, a big tumult was going on, but here was a little band of people in an upper room. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came the sound. Now, the King James says rushing. But if you look at that in the Greek, it also literally means roaring. It was the roaring sound of the Holy Ghost. And it filled the room, and then it filled the people. Man, that's what we want to hear at Patchen Church. I want it to fill the house and fill the people. Because without Him, we can do nothing. But with Him, we can do all things, whatever He's called us to do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, if you got your Bibles there with you, they'll put it up on the screen. But 1 Chronicles 12, I want to talk about responding to the roar. Responding to the roar. Now, God is roaring. Now, just a little side note. It's very interesting. Now, we know because uh, Paul wrote this, he said that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to 500 of the disciples at one time. 500. Anybody remember how many was in the upper room? How many does that leave missing? Come on, mathematics. 380, I heard it somewhere. These accountants will tell us, or math, math majors. 380. Where were they? 
I don't know. Just, just something to ponder there. <laughs> Amen. First Chronicles 12. You know, the Bible over here we're going to read about talks about the sons of Issachar. I'm sure you're probably familiar with this. It says, now here we're, we're talking about all those who, uh, who joined David in exile in the cave who became his mighty men. Now, we probably remember the exploits of uh, the different mighty men. You know, one of them, you know, went down into a pit and slew a lion. Another one took on, you know, so many, uh, uh, you know, uh, many Philistines and slew them. And we see all these great feats of strength and, and courage and valor. But I want you to look at another one that's listed here with the mighty men. Now, listen to this. He says, he says, and from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Now, sometimes we don't think of those types of individuals as mighty warriors. But listen, we need to understand what the times and seasons are for God's work in the earth. What is he saying to right now? What is he saying to the church? What is he about to do? What is he positioning us to do? Amen? I don't want to be out of position. Amen? I want to be where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be. There was 380 people. They were out of position. And they lost out, at least in that moment. Hopefully they caught up. But at that moment, they weren't there when the roar came. They didn't hear the roar. They weren't filled with the Spirit at that moment that God intended. And I want to be positioned. I want to be like the sons of Issachar. And I believe we can because the Bible tells us that we who are believers have received what? The Spirit of truth. And Jesus said, not only will He guide us into all truth from the Scriptures, but also He will let us know things to come. In other words, what's on God's calendar? What's on God's timetable? Now, we won't know everything, but you know what? We will know something. We will know enough so that we can be in the right place at the right time. We can be in a place where we are praying. You know, sometimes we pray out of season. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, if you're praying for salvation or you're praying for healing. Those things are always ours. Those are always in season. You understand that? Because sometimes, you know, I don't elaborate. and People say, well, you know. But, but, but God's movements, what He's wanting to do in the church at large, and here at Passion Church, we need to be in on the timetable. Because sometimes it's hard to catch up. God's hard to catch up to. It's a lot better to be exactly where he wants us to be in the spirit in the spirit i mean you know if you're in the flesh you can't you're not in on the timing of god amen we have to be in the spirit and notice he says here he says they knew what israel should do they went out and connected they joined up with david even though he was in exile he was on the run he was considered an outlaw <laughs> Amen. You know, and sometimes, you know, when we get in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing and what God's doing, you know, some of our brothers and sisters may think we're kind of out there. <laughs> we're kind of weird. We're kind of strange. We're kind of odd. 
Why do you guys, you know, why is your worship so loud? Why do you guys lift your hands? Why are you talking that funny language? Well, we're kind of outlaw, I mean out there. <laughs> but they knew what they should do. They knew, you know what, we need, we need to connect. I know Saul's sitting on the throne there, you know, uh, you know, in his place. But listen, we know by the Spirit, David is God's anointed. We know by the Spirit this is it. He may be living in a cave right now. He may be on the run right now. He may be seen as an outlaw right now. But we know something. What do you know, Pastor Shirley? What do you know? Are you sons and daughters of Issachar? You, what do you know about the movement, the season, and the times of God? Amen? Hallelujah. Call unto me, says the Lord. You want to be in the know? You have to call. You have to call. You have to go to that secret place. You have to spend some time in prayer. You have to listen. You have to wait on me. But some say, I'm too busy. Can't you see? I've got this to do and that to do. I've got this to put in order and that to put in order. But God says, those who call on me, they will see. And I will show them great and mighty things that you have not known. I believe that's what God is saying. Turn over to Romans 8. We'll see the New Testament equivalent of this. Paul is speaking here. Again, we could just quote these, but I think it's good to look at them. Paul is speaking. He said, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Now, you know, we've tried to just about identify. I've been at this a long time. A lot of you have too. But, you know, all through, you know, I'm into the fifth decade here. That's all I'm going to say about that. But you know, I've, you hear every kind of theological term trying to define, you know, what is a believer? What is a Christian? What, you know, and, you know, and they've got, you know, more theology out there. But Paul makes it real clear. He said one of the defining features of a true believer, spirit-filled believer, he said they are led by the Spirit of God. They're led by the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God's leading us, He's certainly going to position us exactly where we need to be. And that starts on the inside. It doesn't start out here. Now, things are going to show up out here, and people are going to be attracted to that, but God is looking for people like the 120 <clears throat> who for 10 days, they were there seeking God, praying to God, waiting on God, position where God wanted them to be and they became the catalyst for this great movement that's still going on 2,000 years later what if they'd have done what the 380 had done I don't know maybe God had a backup plan I don't know but listen I want to be I don't want to play catch up I want to be in on what God's doing I want to be on what God and if you want to do that you've got to be led by the spirit and to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be in the Spirit enough to hear what He's saying, to get the witness of the Spirit. Amen? Now, it's wonderful. At times, you know, when you're in meetings or something, all of a sudden God just moves on you. Oh, I love that. I wish I could push a button and pull a chain. I'd, pull, I'd keep the chain pulled. <laughs> but there's another way you can get in the Spirit. You can pray 
and you can pray in the Spirit. Those of us who pray in other tongues, you can pray. Get in your prayer closet and pray in, uh, in other tongues. Pray, wait on God, worship God until you get in the Spirit. In other words, you get out of all the mundaneness of your cares, your fears, your worries, your what-ifs, and what I got to do, and what's at the work tomorrow, and all of that. All of that drops off. And it takes time sometimes for all that to drop off of you temporarily. And you get in the Spirit. In other words, you get in tune with the Holy Ghost. You can hear your spiritual ears get in tune. And all of a sudden, you have a knowing. You have a knowing. Boy, I'm telling you what, I need to hook up with David out there in the cave. Or what, you know, I, we, we need to, I need to hook up with what God's doing right now. What is the Spirit of God doing? Where does He want you at? Where has He planted you at? Where is he, who is He connecting you with? So that you know that you know, and you're not moved by stuff out here. See, the flesh will get you to move by what you can see and touch and feel and all of that. But when you know by the Spirit, I mean, there's something that, boom, it holds you. You can't be moved. <laughs> Amen. So, sons of Issachar, we're going to be sons of Issachar. We're going to be led by the Spirit. Boy, I tell you, we need to be led by the Spirit. And you know what that means is in the church in general, now I'm speaking in general, but it applies to us too, is that we're going to have to learn to exchange some brass for some gold. <laughs> Second, Corinthians, uh, Second Chronicles, excuse me. Second Chronicles, turn over there. Chapter 12. Now, I'm just going to read a part of this. Shishak attacks Jerusalem. He is an Egyptian pharaoh. He attacks Jerusalem. It says in verse 9, he said, The king of Egypt attacked Jerusalem. He carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything. He took everything. Now, we know Egypt is a type of the world, including the gold shield Solomon had made. You know, gold stands for the glory of God, the presence of God, the glory of God. And it says that here, the king of Egypt, he took everything. Listen, what has the world stole from the, stolen from the church? When, one, when I read the book of Acts, and I look at the church today, especially here in America, I'm telling you what, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. To compare it. Yeah, we're saved. That's a comparison. Thank God for that. Yeah, we've received the Holy Spirit. And learned a little bit about it and speak spoke in tongues. We're all happy about that, and that's a good thing. But then when you begin to read about the presence of God, the power of God, the moving of God, the harvest it brought in, He thinks if he hasn't taken everything, the king of Egypt has also taken some things from the church. Some things have been taken from us, and they got to be restored. they got to be restored. Now, here's what I think in large part what the church did. Verse 10, so King Rehoboam, he made brass or bronze. He made brass shields to replace them. Anybody know what brass stands for in the Scriptures? Brass. 
the labor of brass. <laughs> brass is always about sin. And so here it is. What did he do? He, he replaced the gold with brass. Brass shields to replace him and assign these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. And whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him bearing the what? Brass shields. Not the gold, the brass. And afterward, they returned them to the guard room. Now, here's the thing. You know, these shields made of brass were so polished that at a distance, they looked just like what had been stolen. They had a similitude at a distance. But, you know, anybody who knew anything about gold and brass, as soon as you got up close to it, you knew right away. And isn't it interesting? They carried on the form here. They took the brass. I mean, who's going to steal? They put them, then they lock them up. Who's going to steal the brass shields? I mean, who, I mean you know, somebody's going to go all that trouble. Hey, man, they got some brass shields over there. Let's go get them. No, but they were going through the same form that they did in Solomon's day when he had the gold shields, when they had the presence of God. You remember in Solomon's temple when they dedicated it? They couldn't even stand because the presence of God was there. So strong, they all just fell out. Boy, you think people think we're strange now. Wait a little. They're watching, you know, watching the service online and everybody's out. You know, they're just watching a picture with everybody laying out. Oh, crazy people up there. Y'all think that's just preacher talk. I'm telling you, you watch. <laughs> so we got to return. We got to return and exchange brass for gold again. In Revelations 2, you know, John's on the Isle of Patmos. He, you know, he's in a penal colony there on the island of Patmos. He was a political prisoner. And in Revelations 2, it says this Through the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. Now, how many of you ever read? The epistle to the Ephesians. Man, there's some awesome stuff in there, isn't there? And that's just what I know. I, so much I, I haven't even seen yet in there. But just what I've seen is pretty awesome. That you, some good stuff in there, isn't there? I mean, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, a mighty church that had been planted by Paul in the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, Passion Church. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have, had, have endured hardships for my name, Passion Church, and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. We've got to return to our first love. Man, I remember, remember when you first got saved, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, man, if they said we're going to have a meeting at midnight on the top of the church, you was there. Come on, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Amen. You know, there's a lot to be said for experience. Amen. It's good to have experience of, of walking with God 
for many, many years. But here's the thing I've also seen. It can also dull the sharp edge. Amen? You can have a favorite knife. Ladies, maybe in the kitchen or guys, you got a, a favorite utility knife or something that you like to use. And, you know, you, you man, when that thing is sharp, man, it's a joy to use, isn't it? Man, that thing, <laughs> it just cuts through whatever you're doing. It's great. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, after you use it and use it and use it, it can lose its sharp edge, can it? You know, we need to get our sharp edge back. Our first love. What was it about Jesus that enamored you? What was it about Jesus that enthralled you? What was it about fellowshipping with the Father and the Holy Spirit that thrilled you? What, what was that? Where, was, where is that? What happened there? It could be hardship. It could be that you're having to persevere through all the different things that the enemy has brought your way. Life happens. I can't explain everything that happens in life. Can you? I don't know what good things happen to bad people. I know there's a bad devil. We live in a fallen world, but I can't give you all the explanation. But everything, I know this, all of us go through it. And as you go through it, it's real easy to start losing your sharp edge. We lose our first love. And, you know, before long, you're just kind of going through the motion. Pastor, I came to be built up. Well, we're going to get there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Listen, we need to exchange programs for presence. I want the presence of God. I don't care. I don't care how it, you know. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have programs. You, you know, the vine's got to have a trellis. Every vine's got to have a trellis. But the trellis don't grow no fruit. The trellis don't break, don't, is not anointed to break off sickness and sin. And the trellis is not anointed. The vine is where the fruit is. We're, we're in the vine. The vine's Jesus. We're the branches. But, you know, so I'm not saying that, you know, get rid of all programs because you can get rid of all programs and still be a deadhead. <laughs> Amen. But here's the thing. What I'm saying is, I am hungry for the presence. Are you still hungry for the presence? You know, you can tell what you're passionate about because you're pursuing it. Come on. Guys, remember, some of us, it's, it's a long time ago, but you remember when you were dating your wife? <laughs> oh, let's see. When was that? that was a while back, wasn't it? But you remember, boy, you thought, man, that's the best-looking woman I ever saw. Man, I tell you, I, I got to be with her. I got I to gotta, I gotta have her. I got to get her. I got to win her heart. I got, you know, man, I mean, you, man, you washing that old dirty car. You clean that thing up. You got it smelling good. Man, you know, you all decked up. I mean, you didn't go, you didn't show up the door with three days of beard growth or I might help some of y'all out in your marriage. Just <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, anyway. but you know, but here's the thing. Remember how you were in love with Jesus? Oh, man. You know, and I, and, and I will say, you know, you know, all these play off 
together. But, you know, part of that is, 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 is if we, we, we come to church, we come to church, we come to church, and there's no presence. And I'm with you on that. I'm the pastor, but, man, if we're not going to have the presence of God, man, I just stay home. Be fishing something. Come on, might as well. There's certainly nothing holy about coming to this building. Amen. It's just a building. But the presence, the presence. And listen, that starts individually. We have to hunger and thirst for the presence of God, passion, church. You have to do it, not just when you come here for 45 minutes or an hour on Sunday. That ain't going to get it. You don't live in the flesh all week and suddenly come to Sunday and boom, you're in the spirit. Ain't going to happen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You know, we need to exchange entertainment for true worship. I want to worship God. Don't you? Oh, I love to worship God. Get in the presence of God. Pour out your heart to God. Not thinking about, well, I wonder when they're going to stop. You're not in the spirit, honey. You get the spirit, you're not thinking about the clock. Come on. You're in the flesh, man. Remember, you know, uh, probably most of the time when you're at work, you're probably not in the spirit. You're looking for that 5 o'clock get off work time. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, you're doing that in the soul. Your soul is your mind and, your, you know, your emotions and your flesh. But when you get in the spirit, man, you can, you can be there 30 minutes or an hour, and it, it seems like five minutes. But the problem is, you know, we, we, we live in the flesh all week, and we come here on Sundays, and we think somehow in 10 minutes of singing some songs, we're going to get in the spirit. You know, and then, we, you know, and then we're, we're, as human beings, we're good at deflecting. Well, I'll tell you what, if that worship team would just, if the pastor would just, well, you know, uh, we're right in there with you, but, you know, it might be if you would just also. Maybe if we just all just, right? All of us just. We're in the spirit. Amen. Look in Isaiah 55. We're talking about responding to the roar. But, of course, you've got to hear the roar. If you don't hear the roar, <laughs> you're comfortable. Man, I'm doing good. Man, I'm telling you. Got my house paid for. I'm at that stage in life, Pastor. Got my 401k all in order and my annuities. And, man, Ooh, I'm looking toward the golden years. I'm going to take it easy. That reminds me of a parable somewhere. Remember Jesus told the parable about the, the man whose fields brought forth a great abundant harvest. And he said, what am I going to do? He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store all this up. And I'm going to say to myself, self, boy, that ought to have been a uh, clue right there. <laughs> You have done good. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, man, you've really done good. You're successful. 
you worked hard. And he did. He worked hard. He was successful. That's a fact. So Jesus wasn't getting on him, but, you know, wasn't condemning, you know, work, hard work and success. He wasn't condemning that. It was the man's dependence on it, the man's attitude toward it, because he went on to say, you know, he said, you fool. Why was he a fool? He said, because he was trusting in that more than trusting in God. He was loving his ease and comfort more than he was loving God and God's plan. You know, somebody says, well, Pastor, when are you going to retire? I hadn't given it any thought, to be honest with you. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> Certain days. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. You know, we, we reach that age, and it's real easy. We have to guard our heart. You know, Joshua and Caleb, man, they, listen, they were 80 years old when they got started. They went in, they crossed over Jordan. I mean, before that, they were just taking laps around Sinai. I guess they were getting in shape those 40 years. <laughs> but I mean, at 80 years of age, man, Caleb said, Joshua said, well, what do you want? He said, he said, give me that mountain, I'll go take it. 80 years old. Wow. Isaiah 55, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money, come buy and eat. What we're talking about is not about natural money. I mean, we're glad you got a wonderful house and it's paid for. Thank God. Amen. Absolutely. But you know, we're talking about something that money can't buy. Jeff Bezos can't buy it. If he wrote out a check, cleared out his bank account, he can't buy this. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. Who's hungry? That's what the Lord said. Who's hungry? Who's thirsty? He said, listen and listen, eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Wow. So here's the thing. we gotta, we got to exchange programs for presence, entertainment for true worship. And listen, this last one's a big one, buddy. This one hits us all. We exchange busyness, the brass of busyness, for prayer. Now let me just elaborate on prayer. I'm talking about fellowshipping with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about you trying to, to come up with an hour's worth of petition. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Mind the rain. No, no. That, that's weary. I mean, you know, get your petition out of the way. Why does that take five minutes? Just read your list off and say, thank you, Lord, I believe I received. Thank you for you. And then spend some time fellowshipping with the Father. Just being in His presence. Just enjoying His presence. Just, just thanking Him for who He is, for His goodness and His mercy and His grace and His love and His kindness and His joy and His peace and His plans. 
Hallelujah, Father. And after you've done that a while, He'll let you in on some of His plans. He'll let you in on His timetable. He'll let you know what, what He's about to do. He'll let you know what your part is, where you're supposed to be positioned. Boy, that, listen, that's where Christianity, that's where being a believer, that's where the joy is. Man, I'm telling you. You know, uh, in David's day, when David became king, you know, they had Moses' tabernacle set up at Shiloh. And you know, you know, uh, you know, they had the daily sacrifices. The priest went in, and then, of course, once a year on the Day of Atonement, most of you know about this. They, you know, they they uh, uh, sprinkled the blood. The high priest went in, sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. But you know, they were offering sacrifices every day. They were, you know, and when David became king, he went in to the holy place, the holiest of holies. He took the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory was between the two cherubim there, and he brought it to his backyard. And he pitched a little tent there called the Tabernacle of David, and he appointed worship. Well, now, wait a minute. Go read over there in the Pentateuch where God said, you're supposed to appoint trumpeters and cymbals and people playing stringed instruments and people worshiping 24 hours a day and just have the, the, the Ark of the Covenant there and not have the rest of the tabernacle. Where did that come from? Listen, anybody else who tried to go in there, you know, and had some bright idea that they were going to do that, they fell dead. D-E-D dead. I got your attention. They fell dead. Where did David do? Evidently, David had some insight, didn't he? Something's changing. Something different that God is doing here. And here's the thing. The sons of Issachar and all those other mighty men that were out there in the right place at the right time, when David brought the glory of God into his backyard, guess who was out there dancing with David? Guess who was in the glory of God? All those who were in the cave. Well, Pastor Norris, I'm just going to wait till they get the tabernacle set up, and then I'm going to come in. Well, I hope that works out for you. I really do. Hunger and thirst. All right, real quickly here. So what do we need to do in responding to the roar? In Genesis 15, or Genesis 26, verse 15, it talks about Isaac, the next generation. Abraham has gone on to be with the Lord. And now the promise has come to Isaac. He's taken up, if you will, kind of the baton. He's, he's the heir to the promises. <clears throat> and so in verse 15 it says, <clears throat> pardon me. He says, so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Now, we know that, that water was the, one of the single most important things in that area in the Middle East and really anywhere, but especially there. And so uh, these wells had been shown, God had shown Abraham exactly where he needed to dig. And he, with his servants, they dug the wells and they discovered a life-giving flow of water coming up. 
It gave life to everybody in his family. I mean, it gave life to the dog, the cat. I mean, the cattle, if they had dogs and cats. Every, but everything he owned, it, his sheep, his goat, he, it gave life to everybody, didn't it? And see, that's the whole purpose of the well. But the Philistines, again, a type of the world, says they had filled in the wells. You know what the enemy wants to do? <clears throat> he wants to fill in your well so that you lose the joy of your salvation. <clears throat> There's not a flow of the, of the Holy Spirit, the, the rivers of living water Jesus talked about. There's not a flow anymore. It's just dust or maybe a little mud. And you know, it says that when Isaac saw that, it says that he began to what? He began to redig. Then he says, it says, then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you've become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. So we're not talking about some new revelation. We're not talking about something new, as it were. But what we're talking about is our inheritance coming back to the church. This was Isaac's well. This was Isaac's inheritance. He had a right to the life-giving water that his father Abraham had dug. He was God's covenant man. We are God's covenant people. You have a right to the flow of the Spirit of God that's in you. But it's easy to let the Philistines stop up the flow. We get busy. We get fearful. We get all concerned about tomorrow. We get all caught up about natural stuff. Boy, I'm telling you, he's, the, this last uh, year or so, he's really filled up a lot of people's wells with a whole lot of stuff. Come on. People still afraid to get out and come to church. Philistines stopping up the flow. Oh, well, I can worship at home. Then why did the Bible say, do not uh, forsake the assembling of yourself together? Let's take that one out. Amen. I know, this. You know, some people won't like this. That's all right. I only got to please one person, and you're not that person. As long as I please him, I'm okay. <clears throat> but I want you to notice. In verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. So, along with the wells and the water of Abraham, there's some fresh wells. Some fresh wells. Something new that God wants to add to, to, to the old. Amen. He's going to bring a, a combo. All that we see that God has done in the past in the church and the movements of the church plus you say what's that plus going to be well you might need to be in the upper room to find out <laughs> what's the upper room prayer fellowshipping with God listening to the Holy Spirit being positioned by God amen but you know first let's just redig the wells I'd like to see what I'd like to see uh, Acts chapter 2 to about chapter 28 
restored to the church. Then we can move on to the fresh wells. Amen. First, he redug the old wells before they discovered a fresh well. So we got to remove the rubbish real quickly. Hebrews 12. How you doing out there? I guess you're still here, so I haven't run you off yet, huh? And I'm, that's not my intent. You know, I, I want to I help you as much as I can. And I truly believe that this decade will be a decade of the roaring 20s. And by that I mean there's going to be, a, listen, there's going to be two things going here, two tracks. What God's doing, what the world's doing. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us. Everybody say, let us. Let's make it personal. Let's say this. Let me. Yeah, there you go. Throw off everything that hinders. King James says, every weight. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, here's the thing. He is writing to spirit-filled believers. And he's saying, now, you know, there's no need for us to get in about the thing about the sins. I think we all, you know, the Holy Spirit makes that real. But the thing about it is, he said weights too. Anything that would hinder us. Anything that would hinder us. And see, that will be different for everybody. That will be, some of it will be similar. I mean, the sin thing, that's, listen, you know exception to the sin. Everybody, you get rid of that stuff. It's toxic. It'll kill you early. Amen. God needs you here in the earth. He doesn't need you up there. Not yet. Not yet. So we remove the worship blocking the flow. How do we do that? The things I've already mentioned. Prayer, worship, repentance. And here's the thing, unless God's already showed you something, I have found out that it works in that order. So a lot of people are trying to repent for what somebody else told them they should repent of. But you know, I found this out. When I will get in the presence of God in prayer, fellowship, and worship, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, not in a condemning way, but the Holy Spirit will begin to say, you know, Look at this right here. And you know what? It's not a struggle to repent. It just kind of falls off in the presence of God. It just, the more time I spend in prayer and in worship with God and in fellowship with God, the more these things, they just fall off. They just fall off. They just fall off. I said, they just fall off. Man. You think you could be in the presence of God and, and stuff won't fall off? I'm telling you. The Bible says that our God is a, is a fire from the loins up and from the loins down. One of the qualities of fire is it will burn stuff up. You get in the presence of God and it just, it, see, listen, condemnation will never get you to repent. I'm just going to help you out here. You can beat yourself up seven ways a Sunday. 
can't beat yourself up, down, sideways, get somebody to help you beat you up over it. That doesn't mean you're going to be free from it. That don't mean you're going to be able to repent from it. But listen, God's grace and God's spirit and God's truth, as we get in his presence, I'm telling you, it comes together and it just falls off so easy. And all those things you struggled with, I mean, you're like, I mean, you're almost like, this is this is this is too easy. But see, when you're in the flesh, honey child, you can't repent. All you can do is condemn. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, where is it at? In your flesh. No. In Christ Jesus has set me free, or we could say it this way, will set you free from the law of sin and death which condemns. The problem is our, the church is uh, uh, majored on the latter rather than the former. And then finally, as we do that, you know what? God is seeking a core. Remember the 120? They were the core of the 500. They were the core. Now, hopefully the, the other 380, you know, they got with the plan and got in. God needs a core. He needs a core. They, they says they continued with one accord in prayer. And we know where they were in the world, the word, because you know, when the Holy Ghost came, man, Peter started quoting Joel. <laughs> you know, they was in the word, weren't they? But they were praying, they were waiting on God. Listen, and they did that before they had the Holy Ghost. Thank you. How much easier should it be for us now that we have received the Holy Spirit? So he's looking for a core. You know over there in Ezekiel 22, 30, you know where he said, he said, and I looked for a man, a woman, someone to stand in the gap. He's still looking for someone. In our generation, in our day, God, the God of the roar, he's looking for somebody who will stand in the gap, who will get into a position of prayer and worship, getting into the presence of God, letting God do something in them, getting rid of the sins and the weights that try to hold on to us. He's getting us free, redigging those wells, the waters, the waters of the Spirit begin to flow again. Worship begins to flow again. Prayer begins to flow again. The miracle power of the Holy Spirit begins to flow in our lives again. We don't have to wait for Sunday to get our miracle. <laughs> That'd be a revelation, wouldn't it? Did you know you don't have to wait for Sunday to get something from God? <laughs> He's a Monday God, too. And a Tuesday God, man, He does great on Wednesdays. Thursdays and Fridays, He is extra special. And Saturdays, He's an everyday God. But see, here's the thing. See, we, we, we come to church and we, we hope we get around somebody that, that has unstopped their well. And maybe a little of their well will slosh over on us and we'll get blessed. <laughs> he said, I look for somebody to stand in the gap. Listen, Pastor Church. 
God's looking for somebody in the river region. And I'm not saying we're the only ones, but here's the thing. I don't pastor those other churches. You know, this is my responsibility, you know. You know, I found out a long time ago, you know, I don't try to get in other people's business. I can't even handle my own. <laughs> you know, I sure don't want to get in your business. But I do want to be a faithful under-shepherd. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying. I believe it's to the church, but I know it's to Passion Church. That this can be a roaring 20s. This can be a time of renewal, of renaissance, of restoration. You know, we need to be like Noah. We come out of the ark and we plant a vineyard and we see some fruit come up. You know, and maybe even get drunk at church. I'm talking about in the Holy Ghost for those of you watching out there. Somebody always mis misunderstand you. Amen. Noah was a natural, but listen, in the spirit. Well, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but he implied but be filled or drunk with the Spirit. So, hey. Woo. Wouldn't it be great to have so much joy you didn't want to leave? So much of God that I mean, man, oh, man. Woo. I'm having me a time in my prayer closet. But, boy, when we all come together, woo. Because one can put a thousand to flight. Let me give you some action points. i got to close. Let me ask you a question. Do you hear his roar? Do you hear his roar? There came a sound as of a rushing, roaring wind that filled the house. It filled the people. Do you hear the roar? Do you hear the roar? And are you hungry for all that God is and all that God has? But now here's the kicker. Are you willing to redig your well? Well, Pastor, I was hoping you could redig it for me. I know. A lot of people are under that misconception. I think that's why the church is, is in general, is anemic. You know? We got a busload of people and a couple, three, four people pushing it. Everybody in the bus complaining about why aren't we going faster? <laughs> Boy, I've done a whole lot of meddling today, haven't I? <laughs> Hallelujah. Will you bow your heads? I want to pray. Father, 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 Father. Father, for all those who are watching online, for us here, God, I pray that just as Paul wrote to Timothy to stir himself up, to stir up the gift of God, to fan in the flame the gift of God. Father, that we would hear the roar of the Spirit of God and we would allow that same wind of the Holy Ghost to, to, to blow upon us afresh and anew here at Passion Church. To fan in the to, to flames. Lord, you want flames, not embers. You want flames and not smoke of yesterday's fire. Lord, you want the fire burning brightly within us. God, you want the flow of the Spirit of the living God to flow out from us to a hurting world.
But God, it's got to start in us. And I pray that that thirst and that hunger would be stirred up within us at Passion Church as never before. God, that we would seek your face, that we would, we would each of us redig our wells, oh God, to seek you in worship, to seek you in prayer, to seek you in fellowship, to seek your face, to be changed, for the weights to fall off of us in your presence, for the glory to shine out from our face like Moses when he came off of the mountaintop. God, to be the church you've designed us to be the people you've called us to be Father let there be renewal let there be that renaissance you've spoken to us about let it begin here in Passion Church begin with me begin with your people here God I thank you for it thank you for it for every heart that's hungry for every every one that's thirsty God I thank you you're going to meet them in the secret place, you're going to meet them. And when we come together, oh God, you're going to meet us. Each man, each woman having dug their well. Each one having the flow of the living water come out of us as we gather together in worship, as we pray. Not by might, and it's not by power, Lord, but it's by your Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, perchance, if there's one here, if you've never made Jesus Savior, Lord, if you've never met Him, He's got a gift for you. It's called a brand new life. Wow. And it's good. I said, it's good. You might as well just trade in that old one and get the new one. The new one's good. The new one is, has peace. The new one has joy. The new one has forgiveness of all your sins, your wrongs, everything that you've done wrong. You say, I, I think, I don't know if God could forgive all my sins. Listen, take it from me. Oh, man. If he could forgive mine, he could forgive you. Somebody says, yeah, but you're a pastor. Yeah, but I wasn't 44 years ago. Well, 45 now. They keep adding up. Man, I came out of the, you know, the drug culture. We weren't nice people. And nobody really wanted to have us around. But Jesus did. It's an amazing thing about Jesus. He meets you right where you are. He takes you right where you're at. You don't have to get all your ducks in a row. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to be some great theologian. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Come into my life. The Bible says he'll make you a brand new person on the inside. Oh, he can make something beautiful from your life. Amen. And the good thing is, you know what? Jesus has already paid for it all. You just get to get it. So if you're here, heads bowed just for another moment or two, please. You want to receive this new life we're talking about, this forgiveness, this peace, this joy. If you'll just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or do anything. I just want to pray for you. If you're out there, if you're watching online, 
you know what, you could pray right there. Right there, if you're in your PJs, if you're whatever, you, whatever you're doing, just stop for a moment. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, they'll be saved. It's just that simple. It's just that easy. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Right now, before we leave, of course, we're going to give you an opportunity to give. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.